Well, good morning, everyone. It's great to be back with you again. And again, if you're watching this for the first time joining in our live stream, or if you've been coming for a while and you've never been to the actual physical church, we are just so delighted to have you joining us. We hope you just feel really welcome and you can find truth from God's word this morning. Many of you know that last week we finished our series of When People Meet Jesus Face to Face. Now today we're really excited because we get to have a guest speaker this morning, and that is Shane Dean. Now I know most of us have never met Shane before, but Shane is a church planter and a pastor at West Passage Baptist Church in Cork, Ireland. Now we're going to get some time to meet Shane later on in the service, but we're really looking forward to having him come and open up God's word for us. But now as we move into our services, I want to just read from the book of Romans as Paul speaks about this mystery we see that in Adam, the very first human, sin and death came into the world. But in Jesus, the second Adam, life and forgiveness has come into this world. So let me read to us from Romans chapter 5 as we begin our service. In Romans 5, we read these words. Therefore, as one trespass led to the condemnation for all men, So one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men. For as by the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners. So by the one man's obedience, the many will be made righteous. Well, good morning, BRBC. I hope you're having a great Sunday morning today. Now, I want to introduce you to a friend and a fellow Moody grad, Shane Dean, who's over in Cork in Ireland. So, Shane, you don't get to be at BRBC this morning. It was a dream come true. Would have been a dream come true for me to have you there. But this is great all the same. Everybody gets to meet you. So why don't you tell us a little bit about you? Uh, So uh, thanks for having me. Really good to uh, be with you guys uh, this morning, be with you, James. Um, Yeah, as I would have loved to be with you uh, physically, but again, obviously with the way things are going we have to do it this way so just good to be with you um, a little bit about me my name is Shane um, I'm married to a Brazilian woman called Luana and we have three children an eight-year-old a seven-year-old and a four-year-old so life is busy but fun um, our my wife is Brazilian and then I have three kids two are American two were born in the States and one was born in Ireland so we have quite an international family uh, fun family and things are quite lively in the home right now, as you can imagine. I'm still doing homeschool here in Ireland, which is uh, (laughs) uh, interesting to say the least, but no, they're great kids, and uh, that's us. And then uh, what I do, I am a church planter with Baptist Missions Ireland, uh, serving with them for, I think it's five or six years right now, and so uh, we're serving in a little town called Passage West there and seeking to the church plant and uh, there in that place so that's just a brief summary james i don't know I love it. It. yeah oh great in light of that then jane how can we pray for you how can we be praying for your family in passage west what's on your heart um so praying for us really uh, right now is i i suppose one just that we would remain steadfast and and that we would keep going uh, through this through this uh, difficult time and difficult uh, season and so that we would keep encouraged ourselves in our ministry. Um, so could you just pray for that, um, that my wife would stay encouraged, and my children would be able to stay encouraged as, as part of what we're doing. Because again, you know, this, 
this isn't isn't easy for people in leadership at this time and so we need uh, prayer uh, for that um, and then just wisdom in terms of when we get started as a church plant if we come back together just pray for that wisdom like i've been saying um pray that we'd be able to do that and then third i would say could you just pray for our outreach i i would love us to continually uh, be outreaching during this time whatever way it looks um i think we have a unique opportunity and have had a unique opportunity over these past weeks and i think um yeah let's let's pray that through this the gospel would go forward lives will be changed and i believe god can change lives through a screen i do believe he can do that and there's power in his word and so we'll we'll believe and trust him to do that yeah okay well why don't i pray for you guys right now and then i'll hand over to the bible reading how does that sound thanks brother yeah that would be great let's pray heavenly father we want to thank you for Shane and his family and for the work in Passage West. Firstly, Lord, we pray for encouragement for Shane, his wife, Luana, and the family. Continue to strengthen them and establish them in your word and fill them with the strength and the energy that they need to continue to navigate this time. Lord, secondly, we pray for wisdom for Shane and the other leaders as they continue to figure out what the next steps are in opening the church up or or abiding by the the new advice and restrictions of continuing to minister with wisdom and, and, and help them to be able to guide this fledgling church community through that. And then Lord, lastly, we pray for the outreach, continue to draw people to yourself, open eyes to the gospel, change people through your word, through the grace that is found in the person and work of Jesus Christ. We pray for fruit. Lord, we thank you for your word today, and we pray you would change us by your word through shame. And we're praying in Jesus' name. Amen. Great. Well, before I hand it over to Shane, we're going to have our Bible reading together. So I want to invite you, if you have a Bible with you or near you, you'd like to take that and open to Colossians chapter 1. We're going to be reading verses 21 down to verse 23. Now, the verses are going to show up on the screen as well. I'll just give you a second as you turn to Colossians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. Starting in verse 21, we read these words. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. Over to Shane. Good morning, BRVC. Great to be with you. Delighted to be invited to be part of uh, your service this morning. James and Quincy are, are great friends of ours, so thank you for the invitation and uh, just a, a privilege to be with you. I would love to be with you face to face, but maybe someday that will be possible. Uh, I send my greetings uh, from Cork in Ireland, a little uh, church plant uh, called Passage West Baptist, and we would appreciate your prayers in the future. What I'd like you to do is open up your Bible to Colossians chapter 1, and our focus this morning will be chapter 1, verses 21 to 23. 
And I'd like if we could just pray and now and ask the Lord's blessing on our time and ask the Lord really to speak through to through his word to our hearts this morning. And I believe that God can move even through computer screens and phone screens and whatever screen you're watching on this morning. So let's pray together and ask the Lord to do his work. Lord God, we thank you that we can come before you this morning and hear your word. And Lord, we pray that you would speak by your power to your people. And Lord, we ask that our lives would be changed by the living word today. In your precious name, we pray these things. Amen. As I was thinking about this word that I would share this morning, I was reminded of those life-changing moments that we often have. And I think in the last few months, many of us have had those life-changing moments. Some have been bad life-changing moments. Losing our jobs and our source of income and whatever else that might look like. Some have been good life-changing moments because of everything that's been going on. You've been able to refocus your life and see that life isn't all about work and you've been able to focus on the family again. We all have experienced life-changing moments. One of the biggest life-changing moments for me was the moment I held my little baby girl in my arms for the very first time. We have three children, but I remember the firstborn particularly well because I knew as I held her in my arms, I knew that my life was going to change. This is a life-changing moment. I knew that how I spent my time was going to be different. I knew that how I spent my money was going to be different. I knew that what I valued was going to be different. Because of this little baby girl, I hold in my arms. And for us as Christians, for those of us who are believers, I believe we have experienced the most life-changing moment of all, haven't we? It is the moment when he entered into our lives. And who is he? Colossians 1 talks about him, doesn't it? In this great hymn, this great Pauline song of chapter 1, verse 15. It talks about him, doesn't it? Look at the words. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together. He is the one who is above all of the universe, all of the creation. 
All things were made by him, for him, and through him, and without him this world would not be sustained. He is supreme above all of creation. And not only is he supreme above all of creation, but he is supreme above all of the new creation. Colossians verse 18, And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Do you see in these verses, not only is he above all of creation, he is above all the new creation, namely the church, because he is the head of the church. And all things reconciled by his cross. So who is he? Well, he, of course, is Jesus. And let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, this morning. When he enters into your life, everything changes. When he enters into your life, everything changes. He changes who you were, he changes who you are, and he changes who you will be. In other words, Jesus changes your past, your present, and your future. And that is what I think we should see here this morning. Jesus changes your past. Look at verse 21. And you who once were alienated and hostile in mind doing evil deeds. Do you see those first two words of verse 21? And you. We have learned who he is. He is above all creation. He is above all the new creation. And now he wants to flip the camera lens from who Christ is to now who you are. Or more specifically, who you were. You see, because if Christ is all these things... If he is above all creation and if he is above all the new creation, that must mean that something changes in your life too. And you. He is addressing the Christians, of course. And he is talking about them in this sense, in their past. You who once were. Your past, you see. He is referring back to who they once were in their past. 
And when I say that Jesus changes our past, what I don't mean is that Jesus forgets our past and that our past is somehow erased. No, that is not the reality. Jesus does not forget our past. He knows our past. He is omniscient. He knows all things. And yet he changes our past in this sense. He chooses to remember it against us no more. In forgiveness, he does not forget, but he chooses to remember it against us no more. Casting it as far as the east is from the west, casting it into the deepest depths of the sea, washing us as white as snow. You were once... And what were we once? We were once alienated. Alienated. Strangers to God. We are walking around this world. We were walking around this world as his creation. And yet we never knew the creator. Strangers. And that refers to our position, alienated. But then there is our attitude. We were hostile in mind, meaning this, we were totally against God. Now, you may be thinking about your past saying, I wasn't really that much against God in terms of who I was. And yet this tells us our attitude was hostile. Even if our lives were seemingly moral, no, our attitudes were hostile. So that is our position, our attitudes, and then our actions, doing evil deeds. We were defined by the evil deeds that we once did. And you see, the truth is this. Every single one of us here has a past right? All of us have a past. All of us have this one thing in common. We have a past. But maybe for some of you watching this morning, what I am describing here maybe isn't your past, but it is in fact your present. You now find yourself alienated, hostile, defined by doing your evil deeds. May I call to you and encourage you to come to Jesus. May these realities not be your present, but may they be your past. May you no longer walk as a stranger in this world. Turn to Christ and walk as his friend, not his enemy. Come to him and draw near to him and embrace the forgiveness. And this too can be your past if you would embrace the forgiveness that he offers you. If you would turn. And repent of your sin.
But for those of us who do believe, these verses are wonderful because there is one word that is so very precious, and it is the word once. This, my friends, is who you once were, not who you are. You see, it is fine to remember our past, but the important things for important thing for a Christian to do is not stay in the past, but move into the present. Because Jesus not only changes our past, but he changes our present. Look at verse 22. He is now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Look at verse 22. He has now. What has he done now? This is who you once were, but what has he done in our present? Well, Jesus has changed everything. He has now reconciled us in his body of flesh by his death. Reconciliation. This idea and concept of reconciliation talks about broken relationships. I wonder how many of you right now are in a broken relationship. Maybe at home with your wife or your children or your mom or your dad. But maybe there's broken relationships even in the church. Isn't that possible? It's possible, isn't it, brothers and sisters? You see, I can say anything right now. I can get away with it because I don't know your story. I don't know the history of the church and I don't know what what is going on in the church. But I do know this. There can be broken relationships, can't there? And if I was to ask you this question, what would need to happen in order for that broken relationship to be fixed? What would need to happen in order for that broken relationship to be reconciled? What would need to happen? You might say to me, I know what needs to happen. They, they need to come to me. And if they come to me and ask for forgiveness, maybe then I might forgive them. Maybe then. But they need to come to me. And the idea there, the concept there in what you are saying is that the wrongdoer should be the initiator to ensure that the broken relationship gets reconciled. Shouldn't that make sense? But this is the beauty about the gospel, isn't it? It is not the evildoer that took the initiative. It was the one who never sinned. Who never uttered a wrong word. Who never had a wrong thought. And who never did a wrong deed. Perfect and sinless. 
And yet he initiated reconciliation through death, even death on a cross. He fixed this broken relationship in order that we might become the righteousness of God. This is who he is. The great reconciler. And it's beautiful, isn't it? And if I was to ask you then, what did his death on the cross achieved. In other words, why did Jesus die on the cross? Why did he die on the cross? And there there are many answers you could give in scripture, but one of the answers you can give is in this verse, in verse 22. By his death, in order to present you as holy and blameless and above reproach before him. His death, his reconciling death, was done for this purpose. That you might be presented holy and blameless and above reproach. I love that word, presented. That one day you might be presented before him in this way. I have a four-year-old daughter, and oftentimes I will um, come down from the office or come back in from work. And as I walk into the home, she'll grab my hand. (laughs) She'll say, Daddy, Daddy, come here. I have something to show you. Come here, come here, come here. And she'll often walk me into the kitchen and she'll come here, daddy, come here. And then she'll grab the sheet and she'll shove it behind her back just to build the suspense. And I'll say, what? And she'll say, daddy, look. (laughs) Now, daddy knows what she has shown me isn't all that good, is it? But it is the presentation. Oh, how wonderful it is to be presented with something. And one day, brothers and sisters, you and I will be presented before God as holy, blameless and above reproach. Holy, set apart before God, blameless without spot or blemish and above reproach in such a way that no one can ever accuse us of wrongdoing. One day we will stand before the Father as holy and blameless and above reproach, and he will present us that way before God. And so the question becomes, how was it possible that me, 
who was once alienated and hostile in mind and defined by doing evil deeds, can now be called holy and blameless and above reproach. How did these three things change to these three things? And the reality is, of course, the cross. It is the cross that changes everything in our lives so that one day you and I may be presented wholly before God. Brothers and sisters, how do you feel this morning? Do you feel holy? Do you feel righteous? Do you feel above reproach? No. But for those who are in Christ Jesus, that is your reality. One day you will be presented to him in this way. And do you know what that means for us? What that means for us is so, so important because if Jesus has changed our past, if Jesus has changed our present, that must mean that our future looks different. Jesus in our lives changes our future and who we are. Look at what it says in verse 23. These are the reality, if indeed, if indeed, you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. All this is true of you, dear believer, if you continue in the faith. Because the reality is, is this, those whom Jesus saves, Jesus keeps. Those whom Jesus saves, Jesus keeps. Because his salvation is powerful. Listen to what he says in John ten twenty seven. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will be able to snatch them out of my hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all. And no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hands. Do you know what that means? No one can snatch them out of my hands, Jesus says. No one can snatch them out of my Father's hands, Jesus said. Which means this morning, believer, you are in safe hands. And so the call here is not for us to doubt our salvation, but the call is for us to continue walking in our salvation, stable and steadfast and not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Do you hear what is happening here? You were once alienated and hostile and doing evil things. 
You are now holy and blameless and above reproach. And you are called to stay stable and steadfast and not shifting from the hope of the gospel. Oh, brothers and sisters, we need to stay steadfast in the good and glorious news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The one who was born into this world, lived a sinless life, and died the perfect death on the cross. And death could not keep its hold on him, but on the third day he rose again from the dead, defeating death. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father, and there he sits in glory. And one day will return to judge the living and the dead, that those who have believed in him might be declared as righteous before him. Sins forgiven and washed away by faith in Christ alone, the glorious gospel. And this is what we are to stand firm in. This is what we are to hold on to. And this is one of the key verses in Colossians. Why? Because there are people within the church and some outside the church who are are calling people and saying to them, you don't just need Jesus, you need Jesus and something else. Look at chapter 2, verse 16. This kind of sums up what was going on there very well. Therefore, it says, let no one pass judgment on you in the question of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a a new moon or, or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. You see, it seems that there is this philosophy going on there. And that people were teaching in relation to the old Jewish customs. And what Paul is trying to remind them of is, you know, don't need Christ and those things. Those things were a shadow, but Christ is the reality. It also seems in verse 18 that they had people who were coming in that were encouraging, listen to this, let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and the worship of angels going on about visions and detail and puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind. So what you had was people encouraging them to go back to the Jewish system and people encouraging them into asceticism and the worship of angels. And what Paul is trying to say is, no, all you need is Christ. What I like to say is this, we have these cameras, we carry them around all the time, and those cameras, they are our phones, aren't they? And what you'll realize is that you often take these pictures, but our our pictures, they aren't enough anymore. So what we do is we, we try and put these filters on the original to make the original look better. But sometimes what you realize is nothing beats the original. 
And that's what these false teachers are coming in trying to do. They're trying to take Christ and add these filters onto Christ and try and make Christ look better. And what Paul is trying to do is say, there is nothing better than Jesus. There is nothing better than the gospel. All things were made by him, for him, and through him. He is the head of all creation and he is the head of the church. There is nothing better than Jesus. You don't need to add anything to him. You don't need to take anything away from him. All you need is Jesus. And that's it. They need Jesus. And they need to hold firm to Jesus. Even when people are encouraging them. To walk away. And add something on. To Jesus. Brothers and sisters, it is my belief that some of you are being tempted to walk away. This has probably been one of the hardest times for some of you spiritually. And your faith is being shaken like never before. Oh yes, you're going through the motions. Oh yes, you're praying. Oh yes, maybe you're even watching the service online. But you know you're drifting. God would say to you this morning, hold firm, stay stable, stay steadfast, and hold on to the gospel. Do you know one of the most discouraging things for me in life? is when I see those who have professed Christ and walk away from Christ. I have a dear friend and a good friend of mine. As we were um, younger, we used to do outreach together. We used to go out on the streets together. And this guy, he was a great evangelist. He hosted a radio station, a local radio show here, a Christian radio show here. He used to go out and evangelize with me. Theologically, he would wipe the floor with anybody. He used to play guitar and was a good worship leader. He used to preach and he used to teach in the church. We used to be accountable to one another. And what I realized was this. One day he was telling me 95% of the truth. And he left 5% out. He was cheating on his wife. He left his wife. He left the church. And he left the faith. He did not hold on to the gospel. And what that proves is what it says in 1 John 2.19. They went out from us but they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would have continued with us. But they went out that it might become plain that they all are not of us. Those who are of Jesus continue in Jesus, stable and steadfast in him. 
And I encourage you this morning, continue to walk in Jesus. And don't turn to the right or to the left. There is this whole hymn that I like. And you will know it well. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. But I like this song because of the way it is sung and how it emphasizes those words. Listen. On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. Do you hear that? On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. Hear me. All other ground is sinking sand. Why would you turn away from Christ the solid rock? When all other ground is sinking sand. My friends, stop standing on the sinking sand and turn to Christ. Hold on to Christ. Trust in Christ. Continue to believe in Christ. Because Christ Jesus changes everything. Amen. Well, we now get to respond by singing together. We get to sing Christ Alone, Cornerstones. Let's sing together. Well, it has been a joy being together, and thank you so much, Shane, for sharing with us. Now, as we go, may we hear loud and clear what the writer of Hebrews says to us. Now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace, saints.